Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mauser Electronics. Not only does Mauser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, They also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on intelligent transportation systems. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com slash empowering dash innovation. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm senior editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm reviews editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it's all about Amazon, uh, specifically that Amazon robot, which I don't know if I should trust or destroy. I don't know if you've got any further thoughts on that, Sherlyn, like immediate thoughts, one-sentence mm, thought on the robot. Kind of cute, but not very. But not very. <laughs> and it has a camera, and it patrols your home. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. And uh, drop us an email. We're at podcast at Engadget.com. We also typically do a live stream of the episodes Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern. You can find us on the Engadget YouTube channel. You can chat with us live. You can ask us some questions. It's a pretty fun time. Let's talk about this Amazon event, though, Sherlyn, because... It is funny how like every year Amazon kind of follows what Apple does and kind of what Google does and even after Microsoft's events. And Amazon's is like the the least uh, organic of them all, like in <laughs> terms of hosting and the products. Uh, the executive they brought out this uh, this year, I forget he, if he was in there in previous years, but he, he gives me very strong Forrest McNeil energy oh my from gosh. Comedy Central's review. Uh, pretty much the same look too. So I had a hard time taking him seriously. Oh, and at the at the end of the day, it's like stuff you would expect from Amazon, right? And uh, you had a great piece where basically the the big thing Amazon does is just make the stuff other people are doing, copy other people, and do it cheaper. You know, like that yeah. is the overall broad theme. Yep. Uh, go check out that piece from Sherlyn. We'll dive into some of that. And then there are the like outlier things Amazon does, um, like the big long shot stuff. And I think the biggest one this year is the robot, the Astro robot, which is a home security, home companion robot. It has cameras. It can move around your home. Um, it does all this weird stuff, too, because it's like, first of all, it's kind of cute. Look, looks like an yeah, 80s robot. Sort of. um, yeah. It has a screen. It has eyes and a face. And um, yeah. this is the exact danger of any robot like this, by the way, because it's like, oh, it's cute. So it, it's so cute. You don't realize like when, you know, if you go to somebody's home and they have one of these ro- roaming around, you don't realize like your rights are being kind of like stripped away because these things are uh, you could put them in a mode where it follows new people in your house it will like collect information about them. And like, if they do anything weird, 
it'll alert you. It's like a it's like a little dog that'll also like just spy on new people in your home. Oh, so I weird. missed this part. I so missed this weird. part of the announcement. I think I was mm-hmm. writing up my other pose, and I, I completely missed this part, and I see why now. It's completely <laughs> creepy. I'm sorry. It's, this is, it's just a camera yeah. on wheels. Yeah, it's it's super creepy, and I mean, th- that's yeah. the thing. Like, What else, what else uh, does it do other than be cute and be a camera? It has a uh, like this telescopic uh, <laughs> rod that kind of extends up and gives you like a camera view higher up too. So if like you don't know if you left your stove on or something, you could like pop up and see the the knobs or the actual burners. But at the end of the day, it is just like it, it is a moving camera on wheels that can patrol your home and uh spy on people in your home. Uh right just, it, it just looks cute. It doesn't have much of a purpose right now. Yeah, I I'll say that like there's been devices that do this there's a lot of robots that can follow you around i've seen some demoed uh timmy the personal robot at least three years ago also had alexa built in it was taller it definitely did um follow me around the has demo it been area. released is this thing like it's a we, I've thousand seen dollars it's more than actually it's thousand uh-huh. to two thousand dollars right i mean to be fair amazon's not yet releasing this thing either i'm just saying the concept isn't new but what amazon is doing here with what you're saying uh, if it's really monitoring people's behavior and then flagging when something seems out of the ordinary, <laughs> that is definitely not something I've seen done before. And very it's kind weird. of funny. And I think it's like maybe for weird. for home security, it could be kind of good. Um, or at least for people who are really, really like uh, paranoid about what's going on in their it's, homes. Like it could patrol your home. If it sees somebody, if it sees something, it can alert you. It ties into, I believe, the ring, yeah. the new like ring protect plans and stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it is just a moving camera. You can attach like this. Uh, you can attach a cup holder to the back of it. So yeah. I mean, that's the only the... thing I would use this for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like snack. This is my snack machine. That's mm-hmm. it. Astro, bring me my popcorn. <laughs> right, and then constantly have like Astro, bring me dim sum. And then like if it were a built-in <laughs> microwave or something like in its in its little uh-huh. chest cavity, be like. Popping your popcorn. Oh, no. Cuter voice. Popping your pop. I don't know. Whatever. Popping your popcorn now and then bringing it to you. <laughs> you just oh, want to go straight so into the uh, the like Wally future where you're just yes. like laying down all the time yes. and things get delivered to you. I'm sure we're going to get there. That is where our oh, robots yeah. are going to take Very us soon. eventually. But this guy is uh, is not that. It, it, it is just wheels and a camera. And it follows mm-hmm. you around. It has mm-hmm. kind of a cute display. There was actually some fun reporting um, oh, yeah. <laughs> from Vice, and uh, I believe mainly Vice, where people who used to work on this thing from Amazon were like, this thing is a disaster. It will throw itself <laughs> downstairs, uh, you know, like willy-nilly. Like, it doesn't really have good safety mechanisms. Uh, it breaks all the time. That telescopic camera is really, like, fragile. So uh, mm. a lot of people are saying... This thing isn't ready for for release, but well. So yeah. Ryan Watson in our chat said that they would have bought it if Amazon had made it a vacuum, and I was thinking the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I I wouldn't mind a robot in the house, but I wanted to do more than just like follow me around, <laughs> look at things. If it were a robot vacuum that had all these extra built-in features, mm-hmm. I would. I yeah, hell's yeah, yeah. I'd get that thing. Yeah, I was honestly surprised. So, like I was expecting iRobot, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. Roomba company, to do something like this first because they. They have put robots in people's homes for 20 years, right? Now, like for two decades, and mainly because they're cute little vacuums. Uh, that they're don't frustrating. Poop, poop anymore, yeah. Yeah, they don't. Well, that's what they say, <laughs> or they replace yeah. it. 
Um, <laughs> but I could eventually see like, yeah, a Roomba with a screen on it or something that was a little more smart and could patrol mm-hmm. and do other things. Exactly. And I'm sure they will get there. It's just like um, sometimes Amazon takes those leaps where they jump ahead of everybody else. And even they don't like it's a clear moonshot. They don't know if it's going to pay off. I think the original Kindle was pretty much like that, too. That's a. That's one of those things like the the myth around Jeff Bezos is that he makes some of these and some of those things fail, like the Fire mm-hmm. Phone um, mm-hmm. and some of them <laughs> like like the Kindle, which sort of like transformed the way we expected to read because d- e-readers right. existed before. But the centralized platform to buy books and everything wasn't a thing. Uh, and even then, Kindles aren't like they're not like iPads, right? Not everybody has them. They're not the biggest thing in the world anymore. But it was big enough to make Amazon like pretty important at that time. Mm-hmm. He also had like the idea to do, hey, people need server stuff. Let's just build big server farms so AWS, people can do yeah. cloud stuff. And AWS became like a huge, huge hit too. And nobody expected that from a company that sold books online, you know. So they occasionally make these shots. I don't know. This thing is going to be. Uh, I think it's up for pre-order for one thousand dollars. Eventually, it's yeah. going to be. Jumping up to $1,450, it's essentially a beta. You're paying this money Mm -hmm. to be a beta tester for this thing. I would warn people that this seems like a very, very bad idea. You know, like you don't don't pay to be a beta tester. They should be handing these things out for people to test. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's been the way Amazon's done a lot of its releases yeah. for a while, um, right? Like with the original Echo, I think it was invite only for the longest time. The yeah. for prime uh, the subscribers, new things, yeah, yeah, and then the new things that they always roll out, like um, the Amazon frames, the Echo frames, took a while to become non-invite only. The Halo ban was invite only. The Echo Look was invite only. Uh, speaking of things that were invite only. Uh, the Amazon Ring, I forget what the name is, but they had made a ring and it just never got released. It was so-called <laughs> invite only. It still hasn't they been released. They announced the ring, yeah. Yeah, and so this could be one of those things where it's been announced and then it just never comes to market. Um, or we have to wait forever for them to figure out how to stop, how to make it stop throwing itself down the stairs. I thought that was so funny. They did bring <laughs> back the the whole the home security drone was something they announced, yeah. I think, last year. We were like, yep. I don't know if this is ever going to exist. I don't know if they're ever actually going to release it's it. It's kind of cool, yeah. It's. I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you. they say soon. Maybe you'll be able yep. to test it soon. We don't quite know enough about it. And uh, I have the same reservations about that as I do the uh, the robot. You know, yeah. like unless you're um, a scientist who has like really or, you know, a government official who has confidential data highly classified data in their homes um the the idea of having like a century drone seems overkill for most people uh but i guess we'll see it just uh it sounds sounds horrifying to me Mm -hmm. you were really interested in something that they announced though sherlyn which is basically just (laughs) a a bigger echo show like all they put they made a bigger echo show it has a 15 inch screen that's it it looks good though. You know what I mean? Like I, I've, I'm in the market for art. I've been shopping for the longest time for art, and I don't like art that's not personal. Even though the right. aesthetic is really nice, this is the sort of frame that I like, right? The the little like um, black border with the white mat and and the screen in the middle. The, I the like most it. basic of frames, by Very the way. Very basic like, frame. Yeah, I'm, I'm basic as it comes. Like, I don't like the gold <laughs> embossed, like carved out sort of style. I don't. It's too mm-hmm. much for me. I like this basic look, um, but 
I, I just thought it was funny because that was when I first started thinking Amazon's ripping everyone off, aren't they? Because uh, the interface that they introduced with the Echo Show 15 too, I was just like, that is Google's smart display interface. That's exactly it. Um, excuse me. But no, I, I mean, the smart display looks good in, with the new software. Well, the updated software, you can do things like leave notes for your um, family members. You can see your upcoming events. You can see the weather. You can watch videos. So, I mean, it's it's useful. And I, I you know what? We like mock it, but I can tell you that there's going to be a lot of people who live in like big households that will find it useful and they might just buy it because like it's one spot on the wall where like everyone can go to, to look at like their upcoming chores or like reminders. I don't know. I mean, hopefully Google makes a better version of it, but then, there, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you need a display for that. Like typically those things, it's like for a big, big family, right? It is a calendar yeah. on the wall. It has a lot of notes on it scribbled on. And it's like a big, highly interactive thing. Um, yeah. I don't know if a single smart display can kind of replace that for people, but hey, it could be cool. This was inevitable because basically um, first came the Echo, then came the Echoes with screens, and they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can't have a 15-inch screen just sitting on your kitchen countertop. So they had to make it something like this that you hang on mm-hmm. the wall and is basically a kitchen TV and sort of like a feature display that you, you'd expect to see on like Back to the Future or something, right? Like mm-hmm. from a sci-fi movie. <laughs> it's a cool idea, but again, like I don't, I don't trust Amazon enough for this stuff. And here's the thing. I have Echo devices. I have Alexa devices in my home. I use Echo quite a bit. Um, I use the Alexa voice assistant quite often. It's just um, they make these leaps into things where I'm not I, – I don't fully buy into everything. And we yeah. don't have to. You can pick and choose what you need from all these companies. But you're down with this, Sherlyn. I'm I'm glad about that. It's only two hundred fifty bucks too, so it's not that expensive. I'm not I'm not I'm mm-hmm. not getting it for myself for the one very simple reason. It's wall uh-huh. mounted. I don't I don't do wall mounting anything, so <laughs> it just looks nice. Great. It looks very nice. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, mm-hmm. they also unveiled a new fitness band, which Girl! I'm sure you're very excited about. It's your oh favorite thing God. in the world. <laughs> I was like, this is what I had. This is what I had to write up for, um, for the for the event. And I was like, what wearable could they announce? The Bloomberg report um, before the event was like, oh, they have some sort of kid centric wearable or for seniors. I was like, okay, nope, it's a new Halo, our favorite Amazon wearable, the Halo, which was originally a a fitness band that had no screen that mm-hmm. had microphones on board to detect your voice and tell you, hey, it was chill out. The tone policing. Band. Yeah, the feature yeah. was even called Tone. Um, what happened was uh, Amazon just said it took Halo and added a screen to it, but it didn't tell you during the event that it took away the microphones. It does not have microphones on this thing, the thing called Halo View. So with the screen, you can view it, haha. And it will do some pretty basic things. It'll do like um, steps tracking, heart rate monitoring, and with heart rate, it can do your blood oxygen. Um, you can get some text notifications. Here's my thing. I, uh, it, I I don't know how much like I can say about this, but I, uh, uh, Amazon will, I guess, say that it does a lot of things, but it doesn't do that many things, especially when you compare it right, to what this thing right. looks the most like, which is the Fitbit Charge 5. If you look at the Fitbit Charge 5, it's the exact same aesthetic. I'm sorry. It's like a rectangular screen on a strap, which, to be fair, is most fitness trackers. You can't put a screen on a strap in many different ways, but this, even down to the OS, 
looks like they ripped the freak off of Fitbit OS. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, just, yeah. I can't. If you've ever used Amazon a Fitbit. this does. This is their yes. thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this thing's going to cost like 80 bucks. And then you have to pay like $4 a month for the uh, Halo subscription to use some of the other features in the app. Like to- tone is part of it, body composition, um, sleep insight, sleep score, that sort of thing. All are locked under that $4 a month fee. Um, which is very similar to what Fitbit does on its charge and other devices, but Fitbit charge costs like more. I think I can't remember the offhand what the Fitbit charge goes for the charge five, but more than a hundred dollars. Um, and then the Fitbit premium subscription starts at $10 a month. So what Amazon has done here is basically like, Hey, you like the Fitbit charge five? You like the exact look, the exact OS, but you don't want to pay like a hundred bucks and then $10 a month for it. Here, here, take ours. Ours is like $4 a month yeah. and then like just 70 bucks, 80 bucks. It, so it's just funny to see Amazon keep doing this, like essentially release copycat products, which, hey, a lot of the tech industry does this too. But we've talked about this before where Amazon is in like a very unique position, right? Like they have the data of stuff people are buying and even the stuff people aren't buying the stuff people may put in a wish list or save in their cart and like hover around and they see like what's potentially popular and they can be like, okay, if we can make the same device and make it half the price, you know, and essentially do the same thing, we could just scoop up all these users. And Amazon does this over and over again. That's part of like um, the big antitrust argument against them too. They are both a store uh, and the biggest online store and the producer of products, and it gets it gets a little wonky. Um, your piece, Sherlyn, I think is really good because it gets into the fact that yeah, they they just exist to make certain things cheaper. That even is true. Uh, they showed off something called the Amazon Glow, which is an interactive <laughs> kid tablet. Uh, it, it is like a tablet that stands up in portrait mode. You can video chat with your grandparents, but there's also like this thing at the top which creates a holographic display that's like touch interactive on a table or something and i've seen this tech before in a couple things and there are actually other kids products already you had brought up the osmo Um, yeah the osmo which i know among parents like is something a lot of people are interested in if you go look at amazon uh the amazon listings for the osmo really really popular like really high reviews it is a very popular product so I wonder, right? It, you you don't have to be like a freaking detective to see like what happens here where a very popular yep. product eventually gets yep. copied by Amazon. And there's kind of nothing to protect companies from this. But uh, yeah, what is the glow real quick? You just described it really well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, no, a, it's a thing for kids. It is a way yes, for kids it, to chat with people, but also play games at the same yes, time. Yes, right. Which is, it prevents the thing from like, a kid just staring at a screen or not being very engaged with the video chat, which is the problem I have with my daughter sometimes. Like I video chat my parents all the time so they can talk with her, but you know, she doesn't want to do that. But if she can play a game remotely with her grandparents or something like that could be cool. And if it could be an educational game, even better. Yeah. Uh, that is the essential idea here. Yeah. If they, yeah, they could take turns and play a same, the same game. Yes. But I, I kind of saw it as like, the on the person on the call watches on as your kid is playing. I'm like, how engaging is that? But no, if they're taking turns, they're actively playing together. I I could see that being interesting. To the point though about um, 
the what Amazon does, right? It's it's. I mean, we've seen peak designs go go ham on uh, uh, you know calling out Amazon for ripping off the design of its popular bags and um, selling them for much cheaper with poorer materials or, or you know what the peak design is claiming. Um, there's that, and that's what Amazon seems to be doing here with the Osmo. Actually, sorry, my bad. The Glow, the glow. <laughs> which is uh, very similar to the Osmo, also very similar to HP's um, Sprout 3D printer type of, type of all-in-one uh, with a similar swivel camera attachment at the top that can see what you're doing on the surface in front of it. Um, but the other thing that reminded me, too, when you were talking about Amazon harvesting data is that like with the ban, like going backwards a little bit, one of the things that Fitbit always says about its new features is like, people are always like, oh, so how did you come up with this feature? They're always like, with all this insight that we have from right, all right. the Fitbits all over the place. So don't tell me that like they're not using your data. They, But at least with Fitbit, I don't know what else they're doing with your data, but at least with Fitbit, so far what we know is they've taken the data and, and studied people's habits to come up with like ideas for future innovations, future things that they could do better differently. And that's led them to things like whatever fitness guides they have under the premium plan, whatever ECG, EEG, skin vari- skin temperature variation. They keep saying that this is more stuff they, you know, people want. And then adding more sensors onto a thing helps them collect more data, whatever. But with, with the Halo view, like Amazon's collecting similar data and... Amazon doesn't need to be innovating in the health space, not really. Like they're straight ripping off other people. So, what's that data going to be used for? To like tell you, yep. hey, your blood sugar is low. Maybe buy some sugar-free donuts. They can. They can on Amazon. You know what I mean? It's a cross section um, of data. Like Amazon is this big Borg of a company that can do all sorts of stuff, and then recommend, hey, watch this fitness show. You know, like do this other stuff, buy this exercise bike while you're binging Amazon Prime Video. Uh, they could do anything. It is funny that Microsoft used to get a lot of flack in the 90s for basically scooping up smaller companies, you know, and just kind of absorbing them. At mm. least they bought the companies. <laughs> At least right. they bought their IP. <laughs> Whereas now you could just be like, hey, I, a nice thing you got there. Let me Yoink. make it. Let me make yep. it. And I know exactly who's making it for you. It's not that hard for me to go find the same OEMs to build White label, yep. Yeah, it's all, it's all, yeah, it's all something. So, hey, let us know what you guys think about the Amazon robot and kind of the way they position their products. Um, I am just highly skeptical at this point. I I just want to point out very quickly, this is a a, a only slightly related uh, observation, which is that, it's funny, like Amazon's naming standards are interesting. Other than their Ring and Blink products, everything rhymes with O. Echo, Astro, <laughs> Glow, Halo. Sure. Like, oh, 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 my gosh. Um, what does that other than mean? the Kindle. Kin- the Kindle. <laughs> I made that work. But um, <laughs> there's a couple points that people are bringing up in our live chat, too, which, by the way, you can join us. Uh, like the Vendra said, on to, to talk to us. But uh, Ryan Watson also points out that, you know, all of this is just extra waste. It's all plastic ending up in the landfill. Absolutely. And that's mm-hmm. exactly, that's part of the, and and like Amazon did kick off its event talking about all the sustainability efforts. And, you know, they came under a lot of criticism for the carbon footprint of all the packages they sent over and over, <laughs> like so many times on different it's, days. It's the only company that has to like be like slowing down 
the stuff yeah, that's optimized, like yeah. slow down deliveries and call that a feature and then call that sustainability. Oh, it's man. it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it is really hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, there was um, you know, they also, by the way, <laughs> teamed up with Disney and said like, uh, oh, you can now say, hey, Disney, instead of, you know, Alexa. <laughs> yeah. And in hotel rooms, I, right? Yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? It's like, a, I think... I believe this is the case, uh, and when I was checking out, but I believe that Alexa's oh crap, uh, Amazon's the <laughs> only one that lets you change the wake word for your assistant, which means you could already have said "Hey Disney" to Alexa. I don't. Can you make it instead. any word? I thought it was like "Hey computer" is the only thing, but I have not played there, around with that in a while. I I haven't played around with it too much too, but they. I mean, it looked like it was pretty customizable. I I'll have to look into it, but okay. It's, I don't think this is like a groundbreaking feature, but talking about Amazon's voice assistant to another um, person on the chat, Jimmy Chong, brought up on, uh, that like uh, um, Amazon still doesn't support a lot of languages, right, for, for their voice assistant. And that's something where it's behind, right, where, where they actually, in my mind, pioneered this voice assistant uh, technology, at least with, with smart home products. So... Why are they so behind when it comes to this? Or I mean, does idea. Siri, does like Google's so, voice stuff, does it work better in China and other countries? I I know that I definitely know mm-hmm. Siri works in, in uh-huh. Chinese and Cantonese because I had my parents uh, set up their phones <laughs> to use Siri in Cantonese. <laughs> it was funny as hell. Siri has sass in Cantonese. Oh boy, she, Siri's also just not yeah. good in English. So okay, no, not at all. But <laughs> she's just funny in Cantonese. I don't think she works very well, but you know mm-hmm. she understands. And then uh, I haven't. I think Google Assistant is supported in quite a few languages, but I'm not entirely sure if it's, it's like Chinese. Mm -hmm. and Cantonese just yet. Let me look that up really quick. Yeah. While we're talking about this, like the key, honestly, the key that Amazon had, like when they announced the first Echo and they were working on all this voice tech, everybody else, like Siri actually existed before, Google's voice stuff existed before the Echo. Everybody else was trying multiple languages and Amazon was just like, okay, just English. You know, let's just do this and focus on this basically for the US. And they didn't even really release the Echo in other countries for a while. And uh, by doing that, you can build a voice model that's very, like, specific to one language. Um, That's why they released it in beta testing, basically, to Prime subscribers. And when Prime people first got those Echoes, it wasn't very good. It wasn't very accurate. But, like, a year later or six months later, by the time I wrote a piece about the very first Echo, um, because they didn't send it out for review, by the time they were sending it out, it was a lot better. Because all those early users had tested, had trained the voice model. So I I don't know. I remember those, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are they gonna do something similar for other languages? I don't I don't even know like necessarily how big Amazon is in China, where you already have like a lot of other e-commerce giants too, right? So it's like maybe they don't even have the same amount of play. Did you yeah, uh <laughs> Huawei, I know a lot of little like um a lot of not little. A lot of the tech companies in China have their own versions. So uh, I think Xiaomi's is Xiaoi, and Huawei's was um, something else. I can't remember what Huawei's was, but they've all built in their little um, voice assistants. Alibaba has their own as well. Um, Tmall has the Genie, I think. Man, 
I'm not super up to speed, but I believe I've heard at least some of these. Um, updating you guys, by the way, the Google Assistant is available in uh, various Chinese languages, but not the new Google Assistant on specific devices. So like the one that is faster, that does a lot more things, they're still like, I think, rolling that out to other languages or updating. Um, and also depending on what type of device apparently that I use. So we'll see. I tried to add we'll Chinese and they're like, do you, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, Voice is important, and I every company yes. is going to be focusing on this. Um, but here's the thing about voice interactions: uh, if you get it wrong once, it's like a hundred times more frustrating uh, than if you like click a button and like something yeah. goes wrong in your computer. Like it, it's sort of like trying to explain something to somebody and they just don't get it. And on a personal level, you're just like you get frustrated. You're like, ah. The number so, of times I've yelled at my poor yep. speakers that don't deserve it. It's, yeah. it's pretty bad. <laughs> That's it. So voice interactions kind of have to be a certain level of perfect before they're usable. Um, mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. can be like the Star Trek computer where you're just like asking something aloud and it gets, you know, answered really quickly. And then sometimes it could just be a nightmare. And that I often encounter too many times. Too many times. I'm, yeah, I get very frustrated. I, I will not tell you all what about. I guess. <laughs> all right. We'll be keeping an eye on all these Amazon products. Uh, I, I don't know if I would test the Astro robot. Maybe maybe just for like educational purposes, I'd bring it in because my daughter's already she is like a good little soldier for the robot wars. Like, she is ready <laughs> to fight them all. Uh, she was terrified good. of Roombas from the beginning. Uh, she's Aww. both fascinated by them, but also is like, why is that robot moving? Why is that robot talking? You know, like that's not right. So she is very suspicious of them, too. And uh, yeah. we're going to raise a whole generation of robot fighters, and uh, we're probably going to need them, too. Let's move on to some other news. And uh, it is also a Google-filled week, maybe not as much as Amazon <laughs> and some of the other companies. But uh, what is what is up with Google, Sherlyn? Like, there's a lot so, of map stuff and search stuff happening. Yeah. Hells yeah. This week, uh, Google also had a small event, not not really one of those big ones that everybody gets real hype about. But it's it's so, so far annual search on event starting since last year, um, where it typically unveils new stuff coming to search. And maps, actually. So, mm -hmm. but one of the biggest things um, that was sort of announced in the middle of this event is that Google is adding the lens feature to desktop Chrome. Um, lens, by the way, is the feature where you can like look up a photo and like see what's inside the picture and then like pull out details from it. Like a, a, a shirt that you saw on someone, you can lens it up and you can like look for it or you can look up a landmark. Um, but the other thing that Google introduced with Lens is that you can now add a text parameter to your Lens searches. So, for example, if I saw your headphones um, or your glasses, for example, the Vindra, and I took a photo and I was like, okay, uh, what what brand is it? And then I can add a text search and say, well, this but uh, in sunglasses or this but whatever. Like you can say the example they gave was better, where like they saw a print on someone's shirt and took a photo of it and then looked it up, but then said this but socks or this but a blanket, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then you can also do that with like uh, vehicle parts. So they had a bicycle on demo and they, you know, took a picture of a, I don't even, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but like a derailleur, something like that. It's like a gear, like a wheel part or something. And um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes, thank you. They said derailleur. And then uh, one of our team members said it was the wrong pronunciation. So I was like, all right, great. Um, you can look at the, so you can use lens to look up a part name, but you can also then 
search how to fix this part. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to start another search and being like, how to fix derailleurs and then figure out how to spell it even. So that's a nice, I think, lens update. And it definitely is helping you, you know, like, you know, like make better searches. Like if you need more context to a search, right, you, you have the room for it now. Um, the other things that Google introduced were a new wildfire tracking feature in Maps, which is Carissa on our team said it's okay, sad sure. that this is a feature now. Like we need to, the we need situation it. is so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you need it now. It's that's how bad it is. But there you go. Um Google also wanted to um help you understand the sources of information you're looking at. So it's expanding, it's existing about this result feature. Um, and it'll show you more context and more information around sources. But also, if you want to learn more about a new topic, for example, you can, um, they, they have like ways for you. So when you start a new topic, let's say knitting, you can expand out, uh, you can first know the basics and then you can expand out uh, with uh, broaden the search or narrow the search, that sort of thing. And then you get all sorts of other related information and all that fun stuff, I guess. Um, and then finally, the thing that interested me the most is the address maker app that Google made um to basically help government and you know n nonprofits um, mass generate these plus right. codes, I thought you said uh, dressmaker app, which oh. I was like, why is <laughs> why is Google getting into fashion? I know I heard you like I heard you laugh a little bit. I was like, wait, why? But no, no, no. If they made dressmaker yeah, apps, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, hell's yeah. But no, yep. this is address maker, address maker. Mm -hmm. I whatever, address. However yeah, you guys yeah. say it, yeah, address maker. Um, <laughs> So plus codes uh, actually have been around since 2015. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they're a set of like between six and eight or something, uh, numbers and characters and letters. Uh, so something like a PJ25 plus two something, right? Like that sort of thing, like a postal code. But uh, it ties to like a set of let and long coordinates so that you can basically add a plus code to any area, right? You know how zip codes and postal codes work? Your postal system has to recognize it. And not every country, not every region in the world has a sophisticated system. And it sucks when you don't have an address, you can't get deliveries, you can't get, you can't apply for a job, you can't vote, you can't sign up for a lot of things. So with a plus, with a plus code, you, you know, the idea is that you should be able to, it's an open source and free system. Uh, but you know, it's been in the past really hard to assign these at scale. If you're in a government, um, you know, you want to help your country or your area or your local neighborhood get address or addresses, mm -hmm. <laughs> plus mm -hmm. codes can help. And now it, it used to take, uh, what was it like years? And now it just takes weeks with that's really, address maker. That's really yeah. cool. That's actually something that could help a lot of people. I mean, it helps Google too, yes. because it gives like more right, exactly. data to like tie people to, but Hey, I'm, I'm from a small country in South America. And like last mm. time I had to go visit family, right? It is a three hour drive into the middle Ooh. of nowhere. Nobody has addresses. Like it is, right. it is rough. So yes. I could see something like this being super useful. Yeah. Yes, the example they they talked about on the um at their event was how like uh, out in a very like far flung place, someone was like, "Oh, we give directions here by saying, you know, that big rock, uh, yeah. turn right and then go for like I guess this many miles and like and then make a left at the tree." It's like mm -hmm. no, if you have a plus code. Google Maps will read them. So yes, for sure, this is a way to get more people on Google Maps. But also, 
it's not just for people who are in rural areas. If you've like, I, in my, in my past job, I had to like make sure deliveries got to the right, like factory in China and like, I'm sorry, but industrial gardens and industrial parks in right, different right. parts of the world have very, very bad like address systems. I don't even number two, Singy District, block 482, and then like a set of numbers next to each other and right, then a road right, name. Right. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Even for people who live in cities who have established systems can can benefit, I think, in general from this system where if like we had a unified address system all around the world, like I don't understand London's SQ one SW two thing. Like it's just internet. I don't, I don't understand addresses in a lot of places. Like yeah, uh, exactly. pe- people in New York, like just reading <laughs> Queens addresses, right. trip me up <laughs> all the time because they're like number dash something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on number street. <laughs> yeah, and it's really if you get one of those things wrong, it sends you to a whole different corner yep. of Queens. So oh my. My favorite yeah, is how yeah. I always take a risk when I'm going to uh, our video producer Brian O's place because he lives on, let's say, Smith Smith yeah, Avenue. Yeah. For some reason, in my head, I always put Smith Place. So I'm just like, all, I mean, you're always just you're just bad risk. at this. I think I'm that's it. Bad. I am. I am. <laughs> this is gonna help people like me. If you just need to remember a few, like, just need to scan a, a code that will work. Yeah. Anyway, that I thought stood out as a, like a truly potentially helpful feature for people who need it. Um, so yeah, that that was basically it that Google announced at their event. Not the biggest, not the flashiest, but there's actually one thing one thing worth mentioning here too. Because after Amazon's event, um, <laughs> Google's like, uh, everyone's yes. like, so Google, where where are your video? Like another video doorbell? Because Amazon just announced like a fifty dollar. Uh, well, no, yeah, yeah, they announced a fifty dollar one. They announced yep. like cheaper hardware all around and cheaper thermostat. Yep. So Google published a blog post and was like, hey, guys, don't worry. We have another Nest doorbell coming next year, um, a <laughs> yeah. wired one, a new wired one that's going to support 24-7 video recording. So yeah. that's something, but it also shows like, man, you would think a big company like Google would be able to like prep and respond and like assume Amazon is going to start talking about this stuff and you should probably be ready to like respond somehow. It looks like yeah. it looks like a blog post they wrote during lunch. They're like, uh, I don't know, uh, new one coming next year, guys. Don't worry about it. Just sit tight. Um, it's I, so desperate. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's. I, I read the same blog post. It's yeah. Rishi Chandra, the head of Nest, and he's a really actually like I've interviewed him a couple times. Sure. He's a nice person. Seems like anyway, right to me. Um, and and I could see like I, I like that they're pretty transparent about it. At least they didn't have to say it. They didn't have to come out and say it. they actually they're in that post to acknowledge that they've made. Uh, some people pretty frustrated with their yep. move to the home app and all that stuff. And to be fair, I think this was also in part in response to the slate of new Nest products they announced in August, which were like, oh, battery, uh, battery powered, powered yeah. uh, video doorbell, which is everything. Cool, but let me let me just say everything they're doing is years late compared to Arlo, yes. compared to Ring. And I think that yeah. is the it's just like a constant like comedy of errors. Like, yeah. oh, no. Oh, my. Oh, my God. They did it again. Amazon's way ahead of Aww. us, so we gotta like <laughs> we gotta tell people well, we have this coming. Uh, I, yeah, I think Amazon borrowed this floodlight idea from them. Though I'm not sure if uh, who came first. Well, I but think I Arlo know. came first. So Arlo, Arlo formerly okay. part of Netgear, um, I'm yes. on the Arlo camera system. Arlo's typically pretty good. Yeah, their stuff is really good. Um, yeah. Google also says, "Hey, folks, don't worry. You're gonna have a web interface." For the <laughs> Google Home app to manage your web, like your live streaming Device, cameras yeah. um, on the web next year. Next year. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay, it, Google. It, it's something oh, Ring shit. and Arlo have had. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, a very basic feature. The most basic feature in the world that Ring and Arlo have had for years. So when I say I don't trust Google and the smart home folks, it's stuff like this. It's just like I don't, Clumsiness, I don't know what's yeah. happening on your end. Yeah. I do have uh, I have the most basic Nest thermostat, and even that has been like kind of a nightmare at times. Aww. So, yeah, these companies, smart home stuff is uh, very annoying and very weird. Don't get locked into one company, folks, because like, yeah, you're going to be beholden to them forever. Let's move on to some news from Facebook, uh, which dropped last night, actually, and after we had started planning this episode. But it's worth mentioning, uh, Carissa Bell at Engadget writes about Facebook publishing slides on how Instagram affects teen mental health. This mm-hmm. is like um, some of the source material that the Wall Street Journal posts that we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, last week or the week before. This is some of that information getting out there. Uh, but Facebook couldn't just release that. Um, they had to like annotate the slide. So you have the slide on one side and like this oh. pile of Facebook notes being like, no, the research is not saying what we're saying. Like, don't worry about it. Don't read too much into this, which is... Wow. It is kind of funny because it's sort of like Facebook saying our, you know, our actual research scientists who are paid to do this don't actually listen to them. They're they're a little wrong. They're kind of like, yeah, they're kind of like um, basically dissing their own researchers uh, for doing weird. their jobs. It is very weird because that's what Facebook does. Um, right. It's just hilarious. And uh, so far, by the way, like the controversy around all this and the WSJ reports has pushed the company to pause their proposed Instagram for kids. Thank God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Facebook is scheduled to testify later today uh, at a Senate hearing about all these reports. So we'll be interested to see like what happens there. Um, there's I a, there's would... a lot. Have you seen the stuff, Sherlyn? What stuff? Uh, specifically the slides? or Yeah, the slides or any of this. I, any... I haven't looked mm-hmm. at the slides, but I will say I have thought long and hard about how Instagram affects our mental health, not just teens, everyone. And I mean, this is, has been a long debated topic. I think everyone is on some level aware that it's not very healthy to be like, you know, coveting what people have on right, social right, media right. or comparing yourselves. Everyone knows. And there's been movements, multiple movements. Instagram, I think like led first on Instagram by influencers going like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Instagram versus reality is a subreddit that I follow. And it's mm-hmm. like what people look like on Instagram versus what they look like in real life. It's just so different and drastic. Um, and, and, uh, this account that I follow, uh, I, uh, I can't remember her full name offhand, but you know, a swole woman who recently got laid off at, I think Vice, uh, I think Casey Johnson advice, right? Thank yeah. you, Casey. Yes. Thank you. Uh, she, she, she published on, uh, you know, on her own, uh, um, channel or medium that like, uh, Instagram is just, is just like an app to to make people feel bad about themselves. And then their algorithm just keeps reiterating that because like, it's the way, I mean, like I honestly almost look, if you look at it agnostically without thinking of like the effect it's having on people, the search algorithm works the way it's meant to, right? If you look for something, it'll keep humbling you with related results. So if you looked up candles, you keep getting candles and candle holders and whatnot. But then the, what happens is that, and this is how it affects diet culture, is that like the second you look for like one healthy eating tip or you just look at one or you engage with one, you just keep getting these pictures of super fit people or like, you know, and then it re, it keeps reminding you yeah. that something is off with you so that you have to buy this product or buy into a lifestyle. It reinforces then, this thing, yeah. What, what's funny is that um, it's not like Facebook started out, like the goal wasn't to make people feel bad about themselves, right? Right, The goal right. was to 
make people want to keep coming back to Instagram. And by pursuing that goal and not thinking about the like unintended consequences, this is kind of where we're at. Uh, there's one thing I want to read because it's an annotation I saw on several slides. So like mm. one slide says one in five teens say that Instagram makes them feel worse about themselves with UK girls saying it's the most negatives. Um, the annotation is this research was not intended to and does not evaluate causal claims between Instagram and health or well-being. And they just repeat that over and over again, even though that is the entire point of the research so like, is to see it's how like, it's nah, actually affecting fault. people. No, nah, not my fault. Mm, does not it's so, no. yeah, I am, I am more and more angry about Facebook and every time we talk about it and like their impact <laughs> on the world and their inability to like handle it is yeah. incredibly, incredibly annoying. Anyway, so the Wall Street Journal has released more slides from the whistleblower. So there is actually like a straight up whistleblower within Facebook who's been pushing the stuff out. I believe Congress is also trying to get in touch with that person, like to actually see more of what's yeah. happening here. Yeah. Is this the one where they had like thousands of pages of like of things to share? Because I remember seeing something on, on Twitter uh, fairly recently about that, but I didn't click through because my brain was burned. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, there's been a lot of coverage. I will say though, Facebook, look, instead of saying no causal effect, don't blame us. Instead of saying that, you can admit that like it might not be us, but things are starting to show. People mm-hmm. are seem to think that this is having an effect. Yeah. Why don't we look into it? Why don't we like yeah. fess up? Why don't we just say like, hey, even if it's not our fault, like our intended result, mm-hmm. maybe there is something we're doing here that's a byproduct and yeah. we should look to mitigate that. We should try I care, to create a positive I care more e- about experience. results and action, right? So it's like, I don't care if you didn't intend to do this, but you have built this monster of a system that is doing this. So acknowledge it so we can move forward. Otherwise we will never, never kind of move forward as a society. Um, one thing I want to add here, our podcast producer, Ben, is noting like, these annotations uh, seem similar to like how oil companies talked about climate change. I was reminded of like mm. how uh, cigarette companies talked about like the the effects of tobacco, you know, and cancer, uh, plastics being companies causing. telling you to go recycle. Come on. Well, that that and that is something people still have to learn because that was so yeah. insidious. Like that was actually Ugh. a true genius move where yeah. they were like, uh, people will just stop talking about this. Let's just give them. Let's put the onus on them. Let's put the onus on the consumer so that they feel bad about buying plastic so that they do this work to handle plastic. And then the the big petroleum companies can kind of keep doing whatever they want. So that's going to be exactly. a whole other discussion, folks. And I am oh. I'm also very angry about that, too. So yes, a lot to be angry about in this world. Uh, but let's move on to less uh, contentious news. <laughs> Uh, Valentina, you want to bring up Valentina's Fitbit Charge 5 review, Sherlyn? Like, any big takeaways from that? I, so, we talked with Valentina, I believe it was last week or the week before, and yes, so she had been working on Charge 5 review. The funny thing is just that, like, um, we had to wait for some features to come live before we wanted to publish this too, um, and basically, from what I can tell, it's, it's largely the same, just a slightly new look, and that screen is bigger, so if you've been looking for a basic fitness band, and, you know, with a larger screen, um, it has the GPS, charge five. It's a pretty which good one. Nice. It has onboard. Yep, exactly. Since the Charge yep. 4, Charge 4 is when it really got the GPS boost, but then uh-huh. this one has the GPS and the screen. It's starting to look a little Gear Fit-like, though, in my mm. in my opinion, uh, mm. which is, if y'all recall, Samsung's like curved screen um, fitness band from a while ago. So, mm. you know, that RIP to yeah, that, I yeah. guess. RIP but here you go. It's, 
Remember the whole fitness band craze in the early 2010s and everybody was trying to jump on it. But yeah, but all of us in Valentina were like, the jawbone up. I do miss the jawbone up. That was was a cool thing that uh, often didn't work and basically killed that company. But it was fun while it lasted. Um, Let's round up, turn things down here with a fun story. Um, (laughs) Guess who is Mario? Or Mario? It's a me. Mario? Yeah. It's a me. I also keep saying Mario because I grew up saying Mario, and then all yeah, of a sudden, same. in uh, in the ninety in like sixty four era, uh, the official pronunciation became Mario. So now that's all an entire generation has grown up with. Uh, okay. There was life before that, folks. Um, who who do, who do you think it is, Shrillin? Who would you like to see? I mean, play I Mario? know who, who would I like to see. Someone who uh, act, uh, com, com, what's that word? Uh, uh, not accurately. Someone who authentically <laughs> represents the character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Danny mm-hmm. DeVito. Sure. Yeah. That that not? would be actually my dream, like uh, indie that drama version yeah. of the Mario Brothers movie would be uh, Danny DeVito and like John Turturro as Luigi. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> and yeah. it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Chris Pratt is Mario. The worst Chris. Chris Pratt. Um, <laughs> oh. Star Lord himself. Uh, and it was really funny to see the internet just kind of like. It, it was a Nintendo Direct where this announcement happened. Shigeru Miyamoto yeah. popped up. We're like, oh, Miyamoto's here. Something big is happening. And then we were all waiting, like, new game? New game? New Mario RPG or something? Uh, he's like, no, there's a movie happening. <laughs> and it stars Chris Pratt. And it's sort of like you could feel a disturbance in the geek forest. Like, everyone's like, oh, man. Oh, no. Aww. And uh, no, no offense to Chris Pratt, but uh, yeah. it's just a lot of things. Like I, I think, think he's fine. Is, he's yeah, fine, but he's a little overplayed. And uh, I think right. it's only like. Kind of like good, how I feel about Aquafina. Yeah. His only good role, though, like Aquafina is a good actor. She can do many things. He can do kind of like one thing. And his good thing mm-hmm. is Star Lord. Like Guardians, his like vibe, his comedic sensibilities that, yeah. was perfect. And then he was in a lot, a lot of bad action movies. Jurassic so like Park. The Jurassic World, the first one. Um, awful. Just got awful. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have much to work with, but he was not great in it. Um, he was in The Tomorrow War, which, again, I, I think was not a great movie. Uh, so I liked yeah. it. Mm. People were <laughs> people had a lot of things to say about Chris Pratt. But what's funny is that the rest of the cast in this movie mm-hmm. is actually pretty good. Anya Taylor-Joy, who I, I love. She is Peach. Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny is Luigi, which... Yep. We're going to get some, like, nice, chaotic Luigi energy yep, there. Yeah, it's going to um, be amazing, yeah. That's going to be fun. Jack Black is Bowser. Keegan-Michael Key is Toad. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Fred Armisen is Cranky Kong, which in the mythology of Donkey Kongs, is the he is the original Kong. He's the one from oh. the original game, so it's kind of funny. Um, and uh, there's going to be a cameo from Charles Martinet, the uh, the video game voice of Mario, Ooh. the It's a Me voice. So... I actually don't hate the rest of this cast. I think this could be really cool. It sounds like this is going to be an all CG movie. Uh, mm-hmm. They're aiming oh, for... Oh, so their voice? Yep. These are all okay. just going to be voices. They're aiming for a 2022 holiday release, December 21st in the mm-hmm. US uh, or North America specifically. Uh, I actually don't hate this. I would actually like to see what this cast does, but yeah. I am not looking forward to seeing Chris Pratt as Mario. That's just Aww. me. But you could choose, At least you know. it's voice only, I guess. I mean, you know, it's voice only. He's very good with voice. I think the Lego yeah. movie, he stars in the Lego movie. He's very good there. Like he, he's a funny, you know, he's a funny guy. Um, mm. 
It's just, it is funny how quickly the internet turned on him when somebody was like, choose the bet, you know, you have to lose one Chris. And everybody Aww. was immediately. I remember that. <laughs> and then Chris like um, Mark Ruffalo had to defend yeah. him or something. Now then he felt, I think he felt bad. Like so, either he publicly <laughs> said something and then the rest of the MCU cast was like, no, 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 he's not the worst Chris, which I don't know. <laughs> it was very funny, very hilarious. I'm not like dissing him personally. It's just uh, not, yeah. not my favorite Chris, but he will yeah. be Mario. It's coming out next year. So we're looking forward to that. Let's move on to what we've been working on, and uh, I want to shout out a couple of things. I spent, <laughs> it's kind of like your iPhone week, Sherlyn, like I am juggling like three separate reviews right now. I just published my review of the Sonos Beam Gen 2 this morning, so you can read that on Engadget. It is uh, basically the same as the original Beam, mm. but it has like Dolby Atmos processing, which is weird to me because it it actually has the same exact speaker drivers as the first Beam, so they basically are using a more powerful CP to kind of direct where some of that sound is going. And uh, it doesn't have upward firing speakers like most Atmos soundbars do. So you don't get like that sound that bounces off your ceiling and feels like it's filling up your room. You don't get that, but you actually do get some like sort of cool height features too. So if you have a small room um, and you just want to like upgrade your sound real quick, it's going to be a good option. I really, I really dug it. It sounds pretty good, but it's $450 which is definitely on the high end for like small compact sound bars. You could get Vizios for like 200 and under. That will sound pretty good too. And uh, yeah, the, the big takeaway is like, if you're in that price range and you want like a real Atmos sound, there are Vizio systems that cost like $500 that will give you a nice big sound bar, a subwoofer that's wireless and two like rear speakers that are wireless. So there are a lot of options in that price range. I just think some people just want one box that doesn't take up too much room. They don't want to have rear speakers. So for them, this is going to be a pretty good speaker. I know you're thinking about it, Sherlyn. So if you're thinking I about am. like, this is actually a pretty good one, but uh, I don't know okay. the amount of space you're working with. And I don't know if you like, you even need all of this. So, you know, no. we'll see. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about it. Next week is the launch of Windows 11. Uh, so I am, I am in the midst of reviewing that somehow uh maybe we'll hear more about like other devices running windows 11 next week um i do not foresee this being as like big as my windows 10 review because i reviewed that like when that thing launched and that was like a it took a while like i spent weeks writing that review this one it feels like more of a service pack almost like almost like a really? slight tweak yeah even other if than, it seems so much different other than the interface changes like that's it. It's just, it's a slight difference, but beyond that, like it still looks and functions. It still functions just like windows 10. So that's kind of like what I am wrestling with right now, but uh, keep an eye out for that next week. Shulin, what are you working on? I, I, there's too much stuff I can't say, but people know there's things going on next week and I am free writing pretty much everything, right? Like, uh, <laughs> um, there's iOS 15 that I'm still waiting on some features to drop before we publish our review, because I think one of the greatest things, um, about iOS 15 would be SharePlay via FaceTime. So we're waiting for that to be available and stable before uh, we publish our review. And then there's a bunch of events next week that I'm not entirely sure I can talk about. So there's that. So look out, look out next week, as I'm going to say. Yeah, let's move on to our pop culture picks. I'm really interested in, uh, in what you've picked this week. <laughs> so up? this week, 
Davindra. You're going to uh-huh. love and hate both of the things that I talk about. I'm ready. Um, I'm fully ready. Yeah. Yes. So I didn't... I had to dig into my archives for this first one. I, I haven't seen a lot recently. I've just been like binge watching old stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a while back, uh, maybe a few weeks or a, a two months ago, I saw Sorry to Bother You. Have you seen this one, Devendra? Yeah, Do you love it? It's fantastic. It's, yeah. It's pretty awesome. So I think mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, Sorry to Bother You is a really great, strange science fiction um, film that ends really wild. It goes pretty crazy i would even say end. science fiction like nobody nobody knew that's where that movie would be going it just i know like a, but a fun I, comedy yeah. yeah i i i know but i mostly i mean there's parts of it that um were pre- like the the way his job is sort of portrayed as like jumping into people's houses he's a telemarketer and uh but the that that part of it was a little sci-fi it's not that like it's just a portrayal of what he does right a call can be as intrusive as just popping into someone's house and sorry to bother you but um I only got hooked into it because like it had the potential of being science fiction y too. I I mean, <laughs> but but it is really freaking fun. Um I, I enjoyed the the storytelling of it. Tessa that Thompson's was a fun movie to it. see in theaters. Like once things go uh, yeah. where they go, mm. that was everybody was yeah. like, yeah, bawling. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um it's on Hulu, that's where I watched it. The other thing I'm gonna this second one that I'm gonna talk about is not so much a recommendation as it is a just a fun brainless thing to do if you have time on your hands and are feeling nostalgic davindra i saw Uh mars attack over the weekend again hey i wouldn't say mars that's a fun movie it's very fun it's very camp it's kind of ridiculous i last saw it when i was a child and i was like wait this movie is pretty crap like it's tim burton it's very like it's got a style to it and it's ridiculous I, I, when i say bad too i partly mean the special effects are pretty bad <laughs> they're that I was think purposefully cheesy I think. yeah 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 so i mean i i have no clue for the like con- I, when i watched it as a kid i was like this is great and there's seen there's and the cast list is amazing there's like um michael j fox i believe sarah jessica parker um pierce brosnan looking fine as everyone's hell in it. jack nicholson every in like everyone's in that movie yeah every freaking one is in it so anyhow mars attacks is a good like throwback film if you're feeling a little nostalgic this weekend okay but nostalgic i saw another for one 1999 yeah come on it's been come 20 on. years man yeah it's been so long i was alive then can you imagine that anyway um <laughs> Devinder, there is another one I want to talk about, but I know it's something sure. you are recommending. Well, let go me go straight it. to that. Um, I've been watching Midnight Mass, the new yeah. Mike Flanagan show on Netflix. And hey, I I love Mike Flanagan. I'll say this straight up. Like he is the best horror director working today because everything he produces, mm. no matter the shows, Haunting of Hill House or Bly Manor or his movies like Dr. Sleep, which I adore. Mm-hmm. Like I am, mm-hmm. I'm just fully into everything he does. So I love this guy. Midnight Mass is a show about a small community who lives on an Island. I think like off the coast of Massachusetts or something. And um, weird things start happening. They, they have a new priest and weird things start happening. And it's very much like a Stephen King novel of like small, weird things and, that there may be something preying on the animals on the island. And, uh, right. you know, things are happening. I will not spoil anything. Yep. But I love uh, I love it so much. And uh, I think I'm starting to recognize Mike Flanagan's style, which is yeah, very yeah. much like characters get a lot of, like, talking space and talking time to really ex- he builds expose his characters. Yeah. 
Right, but also to expose these very like vulnerable moments where you don't necessarily see in real life. So there's a, a person who just, you know, is, is, has come out of prison and is trying to reconnect with the world. He explains how, you know, his world feels. Uh, there is, you know, a, a person who is coming to terms with trying to be sober, coming to terms with trying to like... There's just so many human stories that we don't get to see. There's the girl who like... Um, you know, it's in a wheelchair and then it's like explaining some of that perspective too. And I just, I, I found that's what really sucked me in. And, and that's very much Mike Flanagan's style is these like very deep, like with Haunting of Hill House, he had like um, the girl uh, who, who I don't want to spoil it, that the sister, <laughs> the youngest, the youngest sister, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, she, she, she had a big monologue moment too. And it was just beautiful. The way like the, the scenes and are told through the monologues of these characters is to me, very, very mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan, actually very recognizable now. He's he's um, a great writer, and I, I think unlike other horror folks, like he builds characters, right? He makes you want to care about these people. Yes. So when bad things yeah. start happening, you're like, oh no, please not them. Also, want to shout out right. to Zach Guilford, Zach Guilford, uh, aka Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights, who immediately when I see him, because he is the first face you see on uh, when the show begins. I really miss seeing him on TV because he is such a Aww. fantastic actor and uh, he, he does a great job of always He's playing good. actors who are characters who just need a hug, like characters who yeah. are like, that's it. That's He's very good at that. So anyway, check out Midnight I Mass. It is very good. Um, trigger warning for animal violence because there is some of that. Um, and I know that that like affected uh, some people as they were watching it. Mm, and okay. It is rough, but the, you know, there's a lot of, dark stuff in this yeah my trigger warning was how i didn't expect to be going to church in the middle of a show i was like i was reading mm-hmm. along with the i mean it's called midnight mass so i know i know i was I like, oh, like i'm attending mass you. okay mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm going to mass okay i'm about to get the eucharist okay all right <laughs> but uh yeah quite, quite a unique church that one is so be, be sure to check that out one other thing i want to mention I got to see uh, one of the first screenings of No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie, which has been delayed for like two freaking years. I have been just like Mm. so, so desperate to see this thing. So they did a really cool thing where they basically um, did critic screenings synchronized across the world at the same time as the London premiere. So I was able to like watch this at the same time as my podcast co-host in Seattle and oh, nice. my other co-host in Colorado, and they like did the screenings at the exact same time all across them. So that was wow. kind of wild. Um, this movie, I I really love the Daniel Craig. Uh, I love a couple of them. Like he he's had like a, a messy run as Bond. Casino Royale, one of the best action movies of the last twenty years, followed by Quantum Solace, a horrible movie that was affected by the scripts. Uh, the script the writer's strike. So it really had no script. And then I loved Skyfall, which was this almost like a gorgeous, like um, artistic take on Bond. And that was followed up by Spectre, which was kind of trash. And I hate it. Uh, This movie is very long. It's nearly three hours long. There's a lot of action, but there's also like a lot of melodrama in here, which I don't think a lot of people will expect, but it really worked for me. I love Daniel Craig as this character. And, you know, I think it reckons with a lot of like what is not great about James Bond, the franchise and the character too. Um, and hopefully like it'll be able to evolve even more like in future movies, but this is Daniel Craig's last bond. Um, I think it's a fitting send off and uh, it is definitely worth seeing in theaters. If you can do it safely, that's the other thing. Like it is really hard to like make time for these big theater movies, especially when it's two hours and 45 minutes long. 
It's yeah. very long. Um, but I think it's really worth it. Shout out to Kerry Joji Fukunaga, who he is one of my favorite directors working today. He's worked on True Detective. Uh, he's made some incredible films. And like he just gives a really good perspective and has a great eye when it comes to action and doing this too. So, hey, No Time to Die is good. It's probably going to be the most divisive of the Daniel Craig Bonds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested in that conversation too because uh, some of my critic friends don't like it at all. So it's, it's very like down the middle, but I'm a big fan. So be sure to keep an eye out for it when it's out. Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. Our podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and at the Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me the funny things that Siri says to you in Cantonese, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on intelligent transportation systems. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com slash empowering innovation.